Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do, not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched woman. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I feel like I should read that 10 times, but I would get very tongue-twisted doing it. So we'll, we'll look, look back at it in a moment. And then another, another place in Paul's writings, this time to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made God's light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Well, there are some, some loaded terms in these scriptures, especially the first one, sin, evil, um, the law, I noticed this morning when we sang Amazing Grace, I have, I have found myself resisting the part that says, such a wretch 
as me, amazing grace, how sweet, that saved a wretch like me. And I often substitute the word soul or something like that. But I realized Paul calls himself a wretch not because he's some horrible bad person, but because he's all tangled up in that conundrum of why do I do what I don't want to do and what I want to do I don't do, but I know that I want to do it, but if I want to do it, why don't I do it? Well, that's a kind of a wretched place to be, so maybe, maybe the word wretch is about that, this messy, confused person that I am, that we can be. But this, this, this question of the law and following the law and sin or not, not sinning, is a, is a tough one. I'm going to confess, and I got permission to confess on my husband's behalf today, that we are kind of law and order junkies. This has developed gradually over time, but we love law and order. The classic one, the original one, not the spin-offs, but just the basic law and order where bump, bump, something bad happens. Usually it's a murder, bump, bump. There's a lot of searching for the bad person and then they're finally found, bump, bump. There's the arraignment, classic scene, bump, bump. Then there's the trial and you get into many different parts of it and it's kind of fascinating within that, within that set structure of 50 minutes over the 20 years of this show, how many, many, many different people you see doing bad things, getting caught, and either paying for it or not. And there's an awful lot of very interesting time spent in this show with the, the attorneys for the defense coming up with as many possible ways you can think of to try to convince the jury or the judge to let the guilty person go. All kinds of reasons. And sometimes the guilty people are really bad, nasty people. Sometimes they aren't. Sometimes they shot the wrong person. It was a case of mistaken identity. Sometimes it was a child trying to do something good for their parent or a parent trying to save their child. The whole range of human frailty of human sin is displayed there in this 20-year-long show. I was thinking about it because a friend recently was quoting another friend as having said, well, I have my good flaws and I have my bad flaws. <laughs> I have my good flaws and I have my bad flaws. And I really got caught up in that, in that sentence because it rings true to me. I have my flaws that feel like, you know, they're really just endearing quirks. Think of the words that we, that we use, peccadillos, foibles, quirks, that we're, we march to a different drummer perhaps. Um, there are these ways that we notice and recognize in ourselves and each other. No, we're not perfect. We're just human. We have our little quirks, our peccadillos, our foibles. 
But then there are the bad flaws, and those are a different matter. We tend to think of the bad flaws as being things like uncontrolled rage, laziness, addiction, abusive behaviors, flaws that really affect our lives or affect the lives of those around us. The word that the Bible often uses is sin. When somebody has hurt us, and especially if they don't really seem to care or, or seem to take it seriously or want to change, it's hard to let that go. That feels like a failure, a flaw that's hard to let go. And when we know that we've hurt somebody else, especially someone that matters to us, it's hard to forgive ourselves and move on. We could talk all day about the complexities of forgiving other people who have hurt us and done us wrong. And it's an important conversation to have. But today, I find that my heart wants to bring a different question before God. What do I do about my own flaws, my own besetting sins, the moments when I get tangled up in doing what I don't want to do, the moments I most want to forget ever happened, the things that I've done and said or didn't do and didn't say that hurt other people or that hurt myself? What do I do about the bad flaws? Well, as we heard, Paul in the passage from Romans is all tangled up in this. He does what he doesn't want to do. The things that he hates doing, he finds himself doing. The things that he knows he should do, he, he, he doesn't do. It's a loop, a tape loop that, that can play over and over. Why? Why didn't I see ahead of time that I should avoid doing that? How did I manage to make such a mess? Some things just seem to repeat themselves in our lives and they get us in trouble every time. But as I've been thinking about this, I've realized that what's even worse than thinking back on those terrible moments when I've hurt someone is thinking about the lengths I've gone to to try to hide those flaws to, from myself and from other people. I just don't want them to see the light of day. In college, my friends had a, a kind of affectionate and kind of pointed nickname for me. They called me the Queen of Justification. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have noticed this in me, but if you're running yourself down, if you're saying something about how you didn't do this or didn't do that or should have done this or that, I will probably be the first one to jump in and with great care and concern and kindness tell you all the reasons why it's okay, you should let yourself off the hook and it wasn't that big of a deal and really you didn't realize it and anybody would have made the same mistake and, 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 and. It's not a bad gift to have, you know. But I carry it at great lengths. Um, and I carry it at even greater lengths with myself, finding the ways to justify the failures, the flaws. It's really a way of trying to keep those things secret and hidden. 
Just like the guilty parties in Law and Order, I am looking for that wonderful attorney that will get up in front of God and everyone and come up with the justification, the case, the excuse that will get me off the hook so I can go free. But is that really what God wants us to do with our flaws, with our mistakes, even with our worst failures, our worst sins? Does God want us to move heaven and earth to cover them up, to discount them, to tell you? When I look back through the Gospels at how Jesus treated the people around him, I see something surprising. He was gentle and forgiving with the people who had messed up the worst. The woman taken in adultery, the people that were called drunkards and criminals, the tax collectors that nobody liked because they cheated everyone. He was accused of eating and drinking with sinners, of hanging out maybe in bars, who knows, partying with the dregs of society, the outcasts, the ones who had messed up the worst, the people whom no decent person would associate with. That's who Jesus spent a lot of time with. On the other hand, Jesus did have harsh words for some folks, the ones who tried the hardest to look good the ones who put themselves forward in public as the righteous ones, who followed the rules, who were the leaders in the synagogue, in the church, the ones who wanted everyone else to see them as being perfect, as being God's favorites. I kind of say ouch when I think about that because I have spent a lot of time and energy in my life covering up my messes and my mistakes. So what if the difference between our bad flaws and our good flaws is really, in a spiritual sense, about the ones we try to hide and keep secret and the ones that we're willing to admit to and open up to God. Maybe my bad flaws aren't bad because of what I've done, but because I'm so ashamed of them and so committed to my shame that I don't let myself or other people or God even see but that's just, that's just what I did. That's just, that's just there. Maybe my good flaws are the ones that I'm willing to look at honestly, perhaps with some shame, perhaps with some regret and grief, perhaps with a real sense that that hurt someone, that that hurt me. Maybe that even hurt God. But that I'm willing to stop pretending and hiding and let those flaws be there in front of God and in front of myself and others. I think those might be the ones that God is able 
to heal. I think that's what Paul is saying in the, both of the passages. What he says at the end of the passage in Romans, what a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this tangle, from this loop, from this mess, from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is the one that cuts through the tangle. Christ is the one that rescues him and rescues us. And then in the other passage in Corinthians, he says we hold the light of God in earthen vessels. He's talking about clay pots, and he's not talking about clay that was was baked hard and... and, um, wasn't fragile. He's talking about a kind of clay that was very fragile and that got cracked and that got broken. He's talking about something precious, the presence, the light of God, the love of God that is held in something fragile that's going to get cracked and broken. And he says that we hold the treasure in jars of clay in order to show that that power, that that light is from God and not from us. My friends, perfection is not an option. We can't always pull off what we want to do with ourselves or with others. We can't always clean up the messes that we make. I know I have not been able to. But we can ask God to do that. And we can understand something about our flaws, our fragility, actually being the way that God shows God's light and God's love through us. The places that you and I are the most ashamed of, the places where we're the most broken, just might be the places where the light of Christ and the healing of Christ can shine the brightest. If we let that light in. It's not exactly scripture, but I want to read a line line from a song by Leonard Cohen. You may know it. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So today, as we go into open worship, I ask myself, I ask you, what are the cracked and broken places in our lives? And what might be different if we let the light of Christ shine through those cracks?